Hello everyone, this is Dr. Anna Kabeca. Welcome to Couch Talk. Today on Couch Talk, I have a special guest, someone I've been following for years now and really just can't get enough. I've loved everything I've listened to from her and seen from her. I've been in her workshops and she really is the enlightened relationship expert of our generation. And I'm really excited to introduce her today. This is Allison Armstrong. Alison Armstrong is an author, educator, and creator of the widely, widely acclaimed Queen's Code workshop series. And it asks the question, so what if no one is misbehaving, including you? She explores the good resources behind the behavior of men and women, such as fundamental differences in the ways we think, act, and communicate. She offers simple partnership-based solutions to improve our communication and intimacy by honoring ourselves and others truly by design. She's known for her insight, her sense of humor, and ability to articulate the human experience and predicament of gender. Her website for more is understandmen.com, and welcome today, Alison Armstrong. Thanks, Anna, I'm really glad to be here. I'm honored to have you. I think it was a few years ago, one of my friends, JJ Virgin, had said, Anna, we got to go to this conference together. And it's under, at that time, it was called Understanding Men Celebrating Women. And I'm like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll put that on my to-do list. And they're always in LA. So you came to Atlanta and spoke, and it really rocked my world. I brought a couple of my other good physician friends, and it really did rock my world. So Tell our audience a bit, a little bit more about you and how you became, really, I call you the enlightened relationship expert when I refer to you. Well, I, I appreciate that. I'd never heard that before. And I have been involved in transformation since I was 19 years old. So I have spent my entire adult life in conversations really that start with personal responsibility and integrity and what do I have to do with this and how can I empower myself and how can I empower other people so the the opposite of the what's wrong with you what's wrong with me what's wrong with them and who's to fault and who do we blame and wah, 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 right so the opposite of that and um, even though I had participated in transformation for over a decade, the quality of my romantic relationships still, um, well, sucked, I think would be a fair word for it. Um, I'd been married for seven years and divorced and was dating, and um, it just you know, it started out great, and then within a short amount of time, it it was like I was a different person and they were a different person. And as, as long as we agreed on everything and had all of these intersections of interests and commitments, it seemed fine. But anytime we needed something that wasn't what the other person expected, everything would fall apart. And uh, so it was 1991 when I found out uh, that I was a frog farmer. I was actually in a workshop and my friend was called a frog farmer. And she totally avoided the comment, and it struck me through the heart. And a frog farmer is a woman who, instead of turning frogs into princes, turns princes into frogs. And that is a point where, when we were in your conference, <laughs> it, it hit my heart. Really, that's one of those daggers. So yes. that frog farmer, because you think, okay, well, here in the fairy tale, we have the frog, and we turn him into a prince. And here, reality is, we're taking these princes by design and turning them into frogs. And I was doing that again and again and again. And and that was a big aha moment into um, my personal life, my marriage, my divorce, right? And um, wish I had known this many, many years ago. And actually in one of my programs, Sexual CPR, I bring that up, crediting you for the frog farming piece. Because that is, you know, I mean, really it's in a relation, once you understand that it's a relationship breakthrough, a personality breakthrough too. And I think too, for many of us, um, you know, you know, physicians, I trained at Emory and just that, you know, hierarchy of just having to be in the masculine so much versus honoring our feminine. And, and you taught me that too. So tell our listeners more about this whole frog farming um, 
kingdom? Ah, <laughs> uh, well, when my friend was called a frog farmer, it, it was a revelation for me. And uh, for a long time, my book was going to be called The Transformation of a Frog Farmer. That's what the Queen's Code was going to be called. And in that moment, I could see that I really was an expert at bringing out the worst in men. And I could see it by the results, but I had no idea how I did it because I was so normal. I... I treated men the way my mother treated men, the way my girlfriends treated men, the way that I saw men treated on television and in movies. I just did what was modeled for me and, and thought that men were jerks. I thought they were jerks. I thought they were con artists. I thought that they um, were just, you know, horn dogs and pigs and everything that I'd ever heard. And I, I really, I was born in 1960, so I grew up both with Barbie dolls and feminism. So that, that confusion, right, of I'm supposed to be like a Barbie doll and I'm supposed to have a Ken doll. And I, I reenacted weddings between Barbie and Ken over and over and over again. I mean, we had destination weddings. We had bikini weddings, weddings on the beach. I mean, that whole thing. And then right on the heels of that was this message, you're supposed to have a man, right? You really, you have to have a man, but don't need him, right? So you, you're supposed to have a man, but don't need a man. Mm -hmm. And you're supposed to find the best man you can, but you're still supposed to be better than him. You're better than him. You're smarter than him. You're more organized than him. You're more successful than him, but you got to get, get the best one you can find but be better than him and not need him and somehow the message is that that makes us more attractive to men that the the better we are than he is and the less we need him the more he's going to want to be with us <laughs> and that's the that's the fallacy uh it's what it's what women don't know they don't know they don't know that men are not threatened by women. Men want the most competent, intelligent, um, powerful, strong woman that they can get. Instinctively, that's exactly what they're looking for. And they need to contribute to her. Mm -hmm. So they want her to be great and have room for him to make her life better. They want her to be great and still need her for something, need him for something. So be fabulous, but this striving to be completely self-sufficient and make sure always proving to them that we don't need them. And, and then on top of that, they're wrong every time they don't do what a woman would do. <sighs> Recipe for disaster. Mm and seen over and over and repeated over and over again because we don't know what mm -hmm. the truth is, right? Like you said, that's a big fallacy in our man, male-female interaction. Yeah, it's, I mean, men and women, there's so many things that are different about us. And almost, shoot, next month, it'll be 25 years since I started studying men. So a quarter century of studying men. And there's so many ways we're different and that causes all kinds of misunderstandings because we expect them to be the same. And when they're different, we think they're, they're acting up or being selfish or immature. But on the other hand, there's so many ways that we're alike. And, and for the ladies, just imagine that you were in a relationship with a man who never let you do anything for him. Never. You couldn't rub his back. You couldn't make him dinner. You couldn't um, listen to him and have him feel better. You couldn't ever give him an insight into something he's struggling with. Uh, you couldn't provide information or advice. You couldn't drive him somewhere or get him some socks in an emergency. Like, just imagine being with a man who never let you do anything for him. It wouldn't take long for it to drive you crazy. Like, hello, are we partners or not? Are we in this together or not? There's only so much of just receiving that anybody can do. 
And if we're going to be independent, why are we going to be in a relationship? <laughs> this isn't, are we supposed to just be roommates and take care of our own stuff all the time? So if you can tap into what it would be like for you to be with someone who never needed you, you can get a sense of what it's like for men and why they, why they leave. They, they, they leave to be with someone who they can contribute to. Like, you don't need me, so I'm out of here. And it's the opposite of what our culture says is attractive. And so that's, again, going back to our intelligent design, how are we designed the male-female um, differences and, and what attracts us, which makes us magnetic to each other and maintains that magnetism throughout our relationships and throughout our life. So we talk, you know, talking about frog farming and that concept of, and I'll never forget you said, like, women want um, a, you know, their man to be, you know, uh, what, how did you call it? The hairy woman phenomena. It's like the man is not a hairy woman. He's not going to think, respond, do what we, as we would want our girlfriend to do, right? They are men and they are unique in that design. So I definitely want to talk about that. And I also want to talk with you about significant um, issue in our culture too is the stress, the impact of stress on this relationship, the impacts of stress on our uh, frog farming frequency, on our um, relationship demise, on our um, disconnect in relationship, in marriage, in partnership, and how, and how that can be repaired and restored. All right, where do you want me to start? I know, I know. I have wanted to hit everything. And <laughs> so I think really with explaining the hairy woman um, scenario too. Okay. So, so one of the things that I discovered really early on uh, when I started studying men, which I started studying men with the question, what if men are responding to women? And then I added about a year later the question, what if there's a good reason for that? So in asking what if men are responding to women, I've discovered over and over again it was really important that it was a what if question instead of me out to prove something because there are so many ways that men are not responding to women, but we think they are. So we're taking the wrong things personally. But right about three months into studying men, which, by the way, I thought was all the longer I'd be studying them because everyone knows they're shallow and I'd know everything that was worth knowing by then. <laughs> I was a, yeah, just a tad arrogant and despised them. Uh, but about three months into studying them, I realized that I was listening to them and evaluating them and trying to figure out why they did what they did through the filter of why I would do something and which is a filter that was shared with other women. And so it didn't take long to figure out that I actually couldn't see a man that when I looked at a man, what I saw was a kind of woman and specifically the kind of woman I saw was a hairy woman an immature woman, a selfish woman, uh, a woman who needed some help with hygiene, a woman who was cut off from her emotions. Um, so basically a, a hairy, misbehaving woman who I assumed knew the right thing to do, like all women do, and was purposely doing something else. And, and therefore, that's why they deserve to be punished, because they're misbehaving all the time. So we need to train them, regulate them, weaken them, and punish them, because they keep acting up, because they don't act like a woman. Now, and a funny thing happened uh, later on. Uh, I explained this to a group of men as, who are about to be on a panel in our workshops about um, hairy, misbehaving women. And this man just popped right in and he said, so are you telling me that women are not scattered, emotionally indulgent men? That is funny. <laughs> oh my gosh. 
Yeah, it was so funny. Like, oh, he said softer, more lovely. So women are not softer, more lovely, scattered, emotionally indulgent men. And I mean, he just nailed it. How? Yeah. So in general, to be to be fair, in general, men are more forgiving or accepting of women being different, kind of in a fatalistic way, like. That's just how they are. But both men and women interact with the other as if we're the same. And the way that I like to look at this is if you think of um, testosterone creating a hunter's brain Mm -hmm. and a hunter's relationship to information and motivation and communication and support and planning and all kinds of things like that, that estrogen creates a gatherer's brain. And so we think estrogen has us think very differently, process information differently. We're actually bombarded with input because of what estrogen does to the brain. Men and women don't actually feel emotions in the same part of their bodies. And they're in different places. Uh, So when you go like this, you know, like right here in your chest, right? Like, oh, you hurt my feelings. That's where a man has indigestion that isn't where his feelings get hurt. His feelings get hurt up here, right? So when you're like, my hurt, your feelings is like, did you eat something bad? Right. Um, <laughs> and, and so, and then just to keep it interesting, and you know this as a physician, testosterone and estrogen levels change throughout life. So our brains actually rewire as we get older. And I'm this combination of hunter and gatherer, like most women my age, And my husband is a combination of hunter and gatherer. He's almost 66. And so he'll do things that would normally be associated with a woman while I'll focus in ways that are normally associated with a man. So to me, it just keeps it all very interesting because we're both moving targets, uh, which, but it also makes it ripe for misunderstanding. You know? Yeah. Well, I think that's, key room uh, moving targets you know continually changing and especially in this transition of the perimenopause menopause perandropause andropause it's a transition you're like i don't know why i'm reacting this way or or what's happening sometimes i speak with other women in the menopause and we're like okay i'm an alien in my body and um sometimes this crazy woman comes out and and trying to figure out the same with our, our mate, um, uh, more maybe emotional aspects or, uh, you know, alienation aspects, and then trying to figure all this out. So let's talk more about this transition phase. What have you discovered in the transition that will help us relate better in this menopause, perimenopause, andropause, perandropause, because it is such a hormonally... Uh, you know, it's a huge hormonal transition. There's fluctuations. And then that, like you said, is ripe for conflict and ripe for misunderstanding and miscommunication. And also, Allison, you know, for many women and um, in their 40s, 50s, it may be that they're just getting into a long-term relationship or a marriage and or starting a new marriage after divorce. And these are all new phenomena that we're dealing with. I didn't have that when I was married in my 20s. And what, you know, the relationship seems to take on a whole nother um, portrait. Mm. Well, you you just asked a lot. And um, and earlier you mentioned stress. So I'm going to see if I can loop them together. Um, The first thing that I would say is... Because of, because of all the factors that affect our testosterone levels, for example, estrogen as well, but as you know, in perimenopause, estrogen levels are falling off, and in menopause, um, you know, menopause, you know, is just actually one day, right? It's the anniversary of your last period, so we're mostly perimenopause and postmenopause, but the, the thing that really I think for women and men to register is that for women half of our testosterone and half of our and most of our estrogen comes from the eggs in our ovaries and after menopause 
we're bankrupt. And so in the estrogen comes from the fat in our bodies and some from our adrenal glands and almost all the testosterone comes from our adrenal glands. And the thing that most people don't know is how to build testosterone and that what builds testosterone is rest. So as a woman, if you're not resting enough, which that tendency to keep cleaning, keep organizing, keep beautifying, keep helping, keep listening, keep paying attention, will have us not rest enough when we're awake. And then, as you already know, low levels of testosterone make it harder to sleep, but sleeping is the best opportunity to produce testosterone. And testosterone is, gives both men and women a sense of well-being and accomplishment and productivity and, and I can take on the world. And when we have low levels of testosterone, both men and women were cranky and whiny and bitchy and short-tempered and we're not going to communicate very effectively. And <laughs> so, so I want to say two things. One is we are moving targets even when we're not in those transitions. Um, like a, a 20 year old woman at any phase of her menstrual cycle is, you know, up to 25% different in her hormone makeup. So, so I, I, my best advice is to just keep being curious. You know, that, that every day you're looking at your husband going, who are you? <laughs> and every day you're looking at your wife going, hmm, and who are you today? And what capacities do you have today? And, um, and something that Greg and I do that is just so important, and that is to say, are you mad at me? <laughs> instead of assuming the person's mad at you or doesn't love you or doesn't care about you or is disrespecting you on purpose to check in it. So is this personal? Are you mad at me? Or I left Greg a note last night in case he woke up before me. I'm mad at you. <laughs> so, I just want to be clear. I am mad at you. Just just <laughs> I'm mad at you. And it's funny. I, I, I told him, why I was mad at him. And I found out this morning that he read the first sentence, I'm mad at you, and he read the last word. <laughs> and he didn't read anything in between. <laughs> and the last word was a colorful word. Uh, let's just put it that way, it was colorful. And, um, and it was, but, but because he knew that I was mad at him, he came to me to, talk to me about what was I mad about and to and started with I'm mad at you too and there's such simple words and I think we stop saying them when we're about seven years old but they help so much like I'm mad at you yeah I'm mad at you okay how did we get here and even to be curious instead of well you have no business being mad at me like really why are you mad at me I know I'm mad at you so I, if I if if your listeners, your watchers get nothing out of this except that message, that's what I would tell you. Be curious. <laughs> Be curious. Who is this person today? How did they sleep? What capacities do they have? And should you be taking this personally? And if not, the you know, are you mad at me? No. Okay, is there anything you need from me or any way I can support you? <laughs> that those are the probably some of the most important questions to ask to deal with life is stressful. Well, and you brought up so many key points there too. I love the just simple communication. Look, I'm mad at you. You know, <laughs> let there be no misunderstanding about this one fact for today will be different tomorrow was different yesterday, possibly, <laughs> and uh, maybe different in an hour. Who knows? But that sense of our own capacity, like what is my capacity at today? And, and you do a beautiful job in Queens Code saying you got to fill your tank. Are you coming from a place that's empty? Are you like trying to plug all the holes in your life with, you know, one hand or both hands tied behind your back? 
And, you know, how are you, how are you nourishing yourself and how are you being nourished? And that's everything you go through in your beautiful program about from self-talk to relationship to nutrition and health and how we fuel ourselves. And in this, also in discussing that whole stress, adrenal dysfunction that it causes us and, and you know, elevated dysfunctional cortisol levels reading, leading to the oxytocin deficiency that really just adds that feeling like, you know, maybe I just don't love you anymore because I'm not feeling that hormonal connection. And that's this whole stress, you know, uh, sequence that we have going on at that point. And that's burnout. Why do I love my job and not, I used to love my job and now I don't. I'm so stressed. I can't connect in the way I need to connect. And it's so true in relationships. And, and one thing I've seen in the age management world as a hormone prescribing physician is also that seeking exogenous testosterone, right? Okay, give it to me in a pill, give it to me in a cream. Men do it at really high levels sometimes. And that also can cause a significant disconnect. And I want people to realize that because we Often the buzz is that testosterone is going to help with sex drive libido connection. Too much can make you disconnect, creates dopamine-seeking behavior, can lead to um, addictions, betrayal, etc. So it's very conscientious, you know, creating that adrenal reserve, like Allison said, refilling your tanks, honoring your body's natural design throughout our lifespan, and supporting our adrenal glands so that we're making the adrenal hormones, the testosterone, getting our own juicy estrogen in a state of healthy reproduction in the menopause and, and acknowledging these slightly changed or significantly changed hormonal levels as we go through that. But to remember, if we are supplementing with hormones and you're like, hey, why am I thinking these thoughts or why am I acting this way? Well, we need to look at that too. So that's a big red flag um, for our listeners. I've seen it in working and consulting with some of the male hormone or testosterone clinics, like what's your divorce rate? Really, really high. Well, that's not what we're all about. We're about relationship, reconnecting relationship and why this is important, why Allison's programs are important so that we have that ability to relate. And I remember also, I'm going on a tangent, big surprise to my listeners. <laughs> but one of your talks, it struck me so well. You said one of your friends was going through a divorce and she looked at you and she said, she's trading me in for a younger model with less wrinkles. And you said something to the effect of not less wrinkles, less resentment. Mm. Right. And that was that whole part where our tank's not full. We're not relating on the same levels and we feel this resentment how do you address that in couples and, and working with these relationships? Well, um, okay, you you mentioned a really important word. Please let us come back to it. I'll answer your question, but could we come back to oxytocin? Yes, of course. My okay, good. Partner. Yes. Um, so resentment. Resentment, most people know, is old anger. And most of us don't have a very powerful relationship to anger. I like to think of it, um, I call it the anger spectrum. So if you imagine that it, it starts on one end with an annoyance, right? So you're, you're irritated, like you're irritated, you're annoyed, frustrated, then you're starting like you know, low-level anger, then really angry, and then you may even get um, furious and enraged, right? So there's this whole spectrum that starts with this little irritation or annoyance and could end up in full-blown rage. With me so far? Yes. Okay. So what if, what if the whole point of that spectrum is that it's a messenger. What if the anger spectrum is a messenger and the message is you need something. So you need something to start happening or you need something to stop happening, but you need something. So even that little irritation, that little irritation is a whisper. You need something. Hello, you need something. <laughs> right? And frustration, you need something. And anger, you need something. Right? 
And what if we could listen? And what if we could listen before it's screaming, before it's a five alarm fire, you need something. And we could look and see, like just ask ourselves, what's the question? What do I need? Or women especially are incredibly sensitive to other people being annoyed or being irritated. And, but instinctively what we'll do is change our behavior. So we'll try to anticipate what's irritating that person and change our behavior instead of asking, do you need something? Do you, do you need something you don't have or do you need something to stop? And wait for the answer. It, especially men, it's going to take them a while. Men and kinesthetic women, it's going to take a while for it to come all the way up to the surface what it is that they need. And this is, um, it's just critical. It's, it's critical to be paying attention to this happening to us. And based upon, you know, whether you've slept, whether you've had alone time, whether you've taken a bath, whether you've been touched, whether you ate well, had enough water, all those things that we do, you know, that we call filling your tanks, you won't always get irritated at the same point. So the more depleted you are, the slighter the thing that will irritate you. So that's another way we need to know ourselves is like, no, this is just me. <laughs> this is just me without enough sleep. You're fine. This isn't something you need to change. You know it's a little thing that you normally, it would just roll off your back, right? But you happen to be depleted, so it's driving you crazy. Okay, there was something that you said, though. What was your question I was answering? Because there was something else I wanted to say besides that. Hmm. Oh, resentment. Okay, I got it. I got it. So resentment is what happens from not getting what you need. So it's this anger over time of going without, going without, going without. And, you know, for the first 20 years of our workshop is called celebrating men satisfying women because being satisfied as a woman is critical and it prevents that resentment it allows you to keep coming to the relationship joyfully and generously and with your with your heart and your spirit and your and your openness and all of those Qualities are what make relationships really yummy. So true. So well said. I'm just going to give our listeners a few tweetables because there's so many of them. And before we go to oxytocin, which I'm taking you back there next, is that key relationship um, questions are, are you mad at me? So remember that one. Write that one down. And then do you need something? You know, just understanding, asking when you're feeling either irritation, frustration, anger, recognizing that that is the question, do you need something just at different volumes? And then um, when, within relationship, to be curious about each other, be, continue to be curious. And that's your whole, I think, you know, that leads into celebrating partnership. And, and also a key one, another tweetable for our listeners that we, from Alison Armstrong, that resentment is what happens from not getting what you need. And that is, that is, that's our job, right, Allison? That's our job to make sure we get what we need. And well, I, love, I love that you asked that because this is what, what happens is, So, you could call it the masculine and the feminine if you wanted. I'm not trusting those words so much these days. You could call it hunters and gatherers. You could call it, you know, in general, men and women. But one way to look at it is that, um, in general, the masculine shows appreciation by what I call take and use. So how you know that they appreciated the advice is they implemented the advice. How they know they appreciated lunch is they ate it. <laughs> um, so they, so the masculine is because the masculine's focused on producing a result. Anything that's valuable is taken and used. So this is why, for example, 
men get so frustrated when they compliment a woman, like tell her that she looks beautiful. All they want is her to value the compliment. They want her to take it and use it. Take the compliment and feel more beautiful, feel more confident, be happy. Take it and use it for something. But the feminine lives in reciprocity. So to, to the feminine, how you know someone appreciated something is that they do for you what you did for them. Okay, so you appreciated me fixing you dinner by having me over to dinner. And there's this precise reciprocity. So if I, have you, if I make you a home-cooked meal and then you take me out to thank me, no, that's not precise. That's not equal. You're, you're supposed to do your best job to cook for me. <laughs> so how this applies to what you're saying, Anna, is that reciprocity is so understood amongst women that it's actually how we communicate. So I will give you what I need. I will give you what I need and expect that you pick up on that. That I listen to you talk for an hour. Now you listen to me talk for an hour, right? I give you a back rub. Now you know that's what I need is I need a back rub. So it's... Instead of, I mean, I honestly think language was aftermarket in human beings that we existed for a long time and then, oh, here's a good idea. Let's be able to articulate because we mostly don't think of saying out loud, I need this. And we, we have this crazy, crazy romantic notion that the ultimate expression of love is to anticipate what another person needs without them ever having to ask. And so both men and women will flat out refuse to tell their partners what they need. Like I shouldn't have to, I just, I shouldn't have to. And that's one of the most immature, ridiculous things about both men and women. And what's underneath it, though, I think is, is cowardice. Because to say I need this is truly terrible. And, and it's scary. And we would rather not. We'd rather just, um, <laughs> I have a saying that, that a chicken, um, that a complaint is a chicken with a need. Um, another way of saying that is a complaint is a coward with a need. So it's too hot in here. You know, <laughs> why didn't you take out the trash? Right. Instead of, uh, I need us to do something about the temperature <laughs> and could you please take out the trash or I need you to take out the trash, right? We don't own it. And, and we just, ex- we just expect other people to figure it out. Something men do that's fascinating, um, is they, Oh my gosh, incredibly complex creatures. So men assume that women are already giving what they're willing to give. Assume that they're already doing what they're willing to do. And so to ask for something that she's not already doing would be asking her to change which men consider asking other people to change to be dishonorable. There's one. Yeah. That's something to put in your pipe and smoke. They consider asking someone to change to be dishonorable. Women are asking men to change all the time and wondering why they're upset. They feel dishonored. They feel disrespected, but both men and women have to get over this. We have to ask and we have to ask for what we need. We have to say what we need. And then we actually have to describe it because we don't use words the same way. Well, I told Greg I needed affection every night. And he said, you want to have sex every night? <laughs> that, told, right? that told me what affection was to him. But I want to give you another question because you were, you're capturing all these things, Anna. So one of the most important questions for couples to ask each other um, is there's two of them actually one is is there anything you need from me that you've given up on getting 
Whoa, that's powerful. That is a courageous question to both ask and answer. And in a lead up to that, so if, there, if the answer is nothing, then the question would be, or in addition, is there anything you need from me that's too hard to get? Because that will also create resentment. Anything they've given up on getting and anything that's too hard to get, like, geez, I have to work so hard at this. I have to beg for a back rub. It's just too hard to get. It makes it, I still need it, but it makes it hardly worth it to me what I have to go through to get it. Mm, so that's like one of those needs that we let fall by the wayside. And does that build up? I mean, does that build up in us over time? Well, what happens is we fall out of love. Um, we fall out of satisfaction when we're getting what we need from each other. Oh my gosh, that's, that's just awesome. <laughs> One of the things that I, that I warn men about is, is that, you know, we have those voices in our head, right? Women, women have a voice in their head that's always telling them how to be perfect, mm. but there's, there's a, a gravelier voice that I call the, the voice of cave woman that erupts every once in a while. And the worst thing that a woman can think is I'm better off without you. And Greg knows this on our approaching our 20th anniversary. That's what my cave woman said to me. You're better off without him. Wow. Yeah, not good. And when I, I actually was sobbing, lis, listening to that voice say that, like, and, I, and I said, I have to tell you something terrible. <laughs> He's like, okay. I'm like, it's really terrible. Okay, tell me. And then I told him, the voice in my head is saying, I am better off without you. And he looked like I had punched him in the stomach. Aww. And he said, you're right. That's terrible. <laughs> And what do I need to do so that you don't think that? And they really were things that I needed that I'd given up on getting. And it had happened so quietly, so insidiously that I didn't realize I'd given up on getting. I just had let it go, 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 accept, 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 you know, which are all really good qualities, way too much to my demise and and it was great because that was four years ago and he set himself up for I'm gonna make sure that you always think you're better off with me <laughs> wow. yeah. you're able to communicate that safely you know that's huge too and I think this becomes a discipline like asking these questions and and not forgetting and constantly, you know, focusing on the things that bring us together, respect, having fun, ability to communicate, and, um, and really just the strength of that bond. I mean, that's why, I mean, I want to celebrate my, you know, 50th wedding anniversary and still have that fun camaraderie and connection. But there are, I remember when I was seeing a patient and she was on her 50th wedding anniversary and I was like, dear Lord, I mean, how did you get to 50 years? I mean, I don't think I'm going to be able to get 10. And she said, honey, she actually said, sugar, we're in the south, sugar, there are good years and bad years. And I was like, whoa, because, you know, I'm thinking good days, bad days, but good years, bad years, <laughs> parents and patients, like, wait, how many years? Can you clarify that for me? And, um, and I was, it was a really, uh, you know, insight to keep investing in our relationships. And that's what, you know, take me and why I rec it took me to your courses and, and why I highly recommend your courses. Allison, I mean, that's a huge question. So I want to make sure our couples got that question to our, our, our listeners out there that they ask, is there anything you need from me that you've given up on getting? Or, and or, is there anything that's been too hard to get? Right? There's, is there anything you need that's too hard to get? Is there anything you need that's too hard to get? I'm writing these down. I'm putting them on four by fours, putting them hmm. in the bathroom. 
I want to remember to commit these to memory but I mean but it's so true because we want to fulfill the other person so we want that to continue wherever we are in a relationship and we want to restore we want to restore any broken pieces so how how long did it take you to get the reconnect going to get the cave woman you know silenced well it was interesting at that point, our youngest had gone off to college and we realized in that conversation that the point of our relationship had been fulfilled. That we, I had published the book that was my life's work, The Queen's Code, and we'd raised a family and they were launched. And and so the, 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 the point was, was fulfilled. What we were up to was fulfilled. And now there's a question, <laughs> what, do we, what do we do now? And what's been great is that we just have the question. We haven't tried to nail it down. We basically have been courting each other for the last four years. And what I proposed was that I wanted the context to be how kind could we be to each other? Like, what else can I do for you? How sweet could it get? Instead of how little can I give? How, how sweet could it be? And, um, and so it's, it's been really romantic for the last four years. And just this morning, that I'm mad at you conversation was Greg getting to express um, that it actually wasn't going to work for him for me to take over being responsible for all our animals because taking care of our animals is one of the ways that he provides for me and that he provides for our children because they left their dogs and cats at home and that it's something that he wants to give to me, even though he complains about his lack of independence, that it, it's something that matters to him to provide. And so we're making a new deal so that he actually can have independence and provide that. And when I say animals, I'm talking about three cats, three dogs, a horse, and a donkey. So <laughs> this isn't like <laughs> we live in the country. So um, it's not a small thing taking care of our animals. And, and so just to keep looking at that, you know, what else could we do to make it sweet? And, I've been working late nights for the last few years. And so we hardly ever have dinner together and I'm cutting back this year. And so that's a new thing on the table is, wow, let's have dinner together. <laughs> and how sweet could that be to actually connect over dinner? So I think you have to keep looking at that. And um, I'm watching the time and I actually have to go in a, in a minute or two. So I, I want to, I'm going to just, I'm going to say something about oxytocin and then I'll hand it over to you because you, I'm sure, educated your listeners about how important oxytocin is. And one of the things that a lot of people don't pay attention to is building oxytocin. So we, we know that we spend it, right? It's the care and tend hormone and it's the bonding hormone. It's the one that has us want to connect and feel connected. But most women and men don't know how to build oxytocin and that it has everything to do with being a gatherer. So if you think of what gatherers did, like, you know, way back the, the time, um, it's all about rhythmic hand motions. It's all about picking seed heads and berries and grinding, you know, and which then evolved into dusting and ironing and vacuuming and all these things that we do rhythmically with our hands, knitting and crocheting and sewing. These are all things that build oxytocin. And so just as a simple thing, what I do is I start virtually every day with hand washing my dishes <laughs> and I do it to build oxytocin and you know, the big O equals the big O. If, if you don't have enough oxytocin, you won't want to have sex and you won't be able to have an orgasm. So 
<laughs> yeah, so that's a beautiful point. And I would say cooking too, something that we don't want to fall by the wayside. You know, preparing meals is a beautiful, another beautiful way. And there's right, there's hand stitching and cross stitching, crochet, handiwork, uh, you know, beautiful ways. And, and to recognize that oxytocin is the, it really is, is what, you know, I mean, that's the juice, I'm sorry, the spice of life, what we really want to, uh, what fills our body, fills our body with joy and fills our body with that connection, that ability to connect and keeps us from being isolated. So, Allison, that's so key. Now, are you incorporating that into your programs as well? I have been for quite a while. And the thing I would just say is you have to do it slow and rhythmically and gazing out the window or meditating or, you know, thinking about the, you know, your next trip or vacation or something that makes you happy. You, you can produce dinner. You can chop, 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 chop and produce a salad and you will have no oxytocin. It's actually slow and rhythmic and relishing and taking your time in a, a more feminine mode, if you will, rather than a get-or-done mode. Get-or-done mode is not going to create any oxytocin for you. Excellent point. Yeah, absolutely. And that um, bringing the family back to the dinner table. So I love that you're doing that and you're adding that in. And, and honestly, the phases that our life goes through in um, its roller coaster fashion. Allison, I'm honoring your time. Please tell our listeners how they can get involved in your programs, your book, get in touch with you more, your webinars, etc. So uh, the easiest thing to do is go to under. Um, that's where all of our workshops and downloadables and teleclasses and books and recordings are and personal coaching as well. And uh, later on this year, we'll be rolling out our webinars so that people can participate in our curriculum without having to get themselves to a weekend somewhere. So um, sign up for our uh, mailing list and you'll be sure to know about that when they show up in the next few months. So that's at understandmen.com, understandmen.com. And I just am so grateful for you spending this time with me today and for our listeners. And I can't get enough of you, obviously. So I look forward to seeing you again in person at one of your conferences. I'm going to become a junkie. That's on my to-do list this year. And <laughs> I, I look forward to hearing more, more from you. And thank you for the beautiful work you're doing in life with women and men and you um the courses you have for women specifically and for men specifically so there's a place for all of us there thank yeah. you you're welcome thanks anna it was great to be here thanks for what you do thank you and to all our listeners we'll catch you on couch talk you can either if you're watching this on itunes listen also on our itunes podcast or on youtube and look forward to your feedback thank you all bye-bye <laughs>